Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the People's Choice Podcast. It's episode 21. I'm here with amazing, talented, um, real inspirational, for at least to me, for all the traveling and stuff that you do, Camp Cleveland. Thank you for being a part of my podcast, sir. Let me give you the clap. Peace, family. Thank you uh, for inviting me on the podcast. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. So you've done so much. I mean, you're a historian, you're a genealogist, you know, you're a student of middle child education, independent hip hop artist, an author. You visit over 45 states and 70 countries now, right? Over 70 countries. You've recorded music with people in the Netherlands, South Africa, Sing- uh, Singapore, uh, several other countries. I mean, I can go on and on, man. You've done so much. Um also, one thing that I love that I've seen that you take adults, middle schoolers, and high schoolers and college students on educational tours to Africa. I mean, that's that's amazing and so much more, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so let's start off with the first question. You know, what's your upbringing? Like, where are you from originally? Oh, okay. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I was born and raised there, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Cleveland. <laughs> That's what's up. What was it like growing up for you in uh, Cleveland, Ohio? Uh, Cleveland is a rough place. I mean, it's, it ain't no different from Detroit or Chicago or New Orleans or Harlem, you know, Baltimore. You know, We got it hard, a lot of black people growing up. But my childhood, it was cool for the most part. We had fun. Um, I just was blessed. My mom, she used to drive a Greyhound bus, so she was able to take me on trips and stuff, so. You know, me and my sister, we would ride with her to places like New York or Chicago, Cincinnati, you know, places within driving distance and stuff like that. So that's when I um, developed a love for traveling. Awesome. And what was high school like for you? High school was cool, man. I I moved around a lot. So I went to like four different high schools, but I, you know, (laughs) I always got along with people, made friends real fast, you know, so you know, it kind of helped me out later in life, you know, going to different countries and being able to get to know people. And, mm-hmm. and that's amazing because, like, I I went through the same thing. Well, I went to three different high schools and then, like, well, I went three high schools, one middle school, and then, like, um, like eight elementary schools. So meeting oh, people, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nothing new to me either, but it, it's really a blessing and a curse, really, because it's like, dang, you got to meet new people. So it's like, you're like, man, do I want to keep doing this? But then it's also like it helped you, like you said, later on in life, like it has with me, like with podcasting and reaching out to different people and connecting people on many different levels. So yeah, you got something in common. Yeah, you hate moving when you're young. You oh, yeah. Move around, but, you know, that's life. You got a card. You got to play them the best way you can, you know, so. Amen to that, man. So when did you recognize or realize, I should say, that you wanted to be a genealogist in travel? I mean, you know, as far as the travel, it started with my family. You know, my mom just, you know, taking the time out to take us to different places. And she used to try to organize tours and stuff, try to get her brothers and sisters and friends to see new places and stuff like that. So I started my own travel business. I take different groups of um, African-Americans to different parts of Africa, you know, different countries. So, you know, I, I always admired African people and African history. Um, my mom, she gave me my first black history book, black history A to Z, you know what I'm saying? My 
great grandfather, my mother's grandfather. You know, he was a member of the UNIA. My grandmother used to tell me about him. I never met him, but she used to tell me about the Marcus Garvey parades and the raising of the red, black, and green flag. You know, she was there. She would tell me the things her father would say. You know, he he felt like we was all Africans and we should go back to Africa mm-hmm. instead of trying to, you know, stay in America and fight. And, you know, her son, my uncle, my mom's brother, he started his own black power organization, you know what I'm saying, in the 1960s in Cleveland. So they was at the forefront of bringing that African history, African culture and dance and music and language to the city of Cleveland. So it's something that kind of runs in my family, you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to take it to the next level. My peeps, what's good? Just want to give a quick pause real quick and let you guys know how amazing and blessed I am to be a part of an amazing nonprofit organization like Bluer Futures. Yes, Bluer Futures. For y'all who haven't seen my promos that I've been posting these few weeks, Bluer Futures is an amazing nonprofit ocean cleanup organization that literally takes plastic out of the ocean and turns into things like plastic bricks for people's houses, for homeless shelters, soon merchandise. Fun fact, did you guys know it only takes... 10, yes, 10 plastic bottles to make a t-shirt. That's crazy because I buy like the packs at like Walmart or other places and stuff. Literally 40 to a a little bag thing, whatever you want to call it. And it only takes 10. Literally. That's four t-shirts I could make just from that. And you can too. There's literally so much change things because Bluer Future Cares, just like your people's choice, Mr. People's Choice himself, Alvin People's Cares. So please check out their website at bluerfutures.org. Check them out on social media, bluerfutures.org. You'll hear me shouting them out, plugging them in each of my videos because I really believe in their vision and where they want to take this thing. And I believe that they could take this to the next level of just making this world a better place. So please join us, bluerfutures.org. All donations, literally, it's a nonprofit organization. All donations will go to the organization to make things better. It's not going to be pocketed by me or anybody from there. So trust me, your money's safe. For those who donate, check us out on social media. And of course, continue to check out the People's Choice podcast and enjoy the show. Take care, guys. And that's awesome, man. And you definitely have taken to the next level, especially with all your traveling. Like in 2014, uh, you studied uh, abroad uh, at, am I saying this right? You, is it UB? Is that how you say it in Dominican Republic? U, UB? Oh, uh, Unibe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, mispronounced some of these words. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good. That's like an abbreviation, Unibe, Universidad Iberoamericana. Mm-hmm. And you studied uh, Caribbean diseases and Dominican uh, history. What was that experience like? Oh, it was real cool. Yeah, I was blessed, man. I was going to community college. You know, that's all I attended was community colleges in America. But mm-hmm. I found a program because they offer like study abroad programs. But it was like places in like France or China. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to go somewhere where it was people that looked at like me. You know what I'm saying? Black people. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was a good experience of people in the Dominican Republic, real cool, real friendly people, very beautiful country, very beautiful people, good food, good music. Um, but I was studying. Yeah, I took a class on Caribbean diseases. So basically, um, certain foods that Latin Americans eat, you know, what I'm saying cause sickness. You know, what I'm saying it's like kind of like when they be like, oh, Latinos and blacks have high instances of this disease or that disease or they're more susceptible to this or that. So a lot of that stuff. 
or at least half of it, we can control. So they were just telling us about the different foods that they eat in their diets that may be harmful to them and things like that. So we had to go into like a hospital and then we got to look at like urine samples and feces samples, looking for parasites and stuff like, you know, just different oh, wow. little stuff like that, learning new stuff. I learned a lot about Dominican culture, Latin American culture. Um, I learned a little bit about speaking the uh, Spanish language and then, um, you know, during my free time, we would go to the beach and kicking and stuff, but I spent a lot of time volunteering, um, helping people. You know, I was um, going to an orphanage during the week, and then on the weekends, we would go to, like, different community centers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's amazing, man. So what was one of the um, the foods that, that they eat that caused diseases? I think the main one was pork. They eat a lot of pork. Wow, really? Yeah, definitely. But I think they cook it a little different. Like, like African Americans, it ain't good for you either way. But like, we fry it. We like deep fry. It. Like when we cook our bacon, it be like brown and crispy. But like mm-hmm. down there, they bacon it still be like pink and stuff. Like they don't, they don't make pork chops like how we pork. You know what I'm saying? Got you. Yeah. So, so then also in in 2016, you studied uh, abroad in Brazil. So and you studied uh, Portuguese, Brazilian history, and what was what was Brazil like? That's the one place I've always wanted to go. Oh yeah, Brazil. It was real cool. Very beautiful place. Beautiful people. Very friendly people. Um, a little bit more tapped into the African culture. You know what I'm saying? Brazil is uh-huh. the largest Latin American country in the world. Mm-hmm. The largest population of Latin Americans. Brazil is a majority black country. So you know during the uh, transatlantic slave trade Brazil received the most amount of Africans millions of I think it was like four million Africans whereas wow. the United States may have received a couple hundred thousand you know what I'm saying so there's way more black people down there than up here oh that's that's news to me I wonder if most people even know that no nah, no they don't wow. <laughs> Brazil, Brazil heavy black but it's still a lot of racism and you know they fighting down there too but their history is similar, but it was a little bit different. So they had a lot more rebellions and slave uprisings and stuff. So in comparison to the United States, like we'll run away, we'll do the Underground Railroad. And we had a couple of rebellions, but, you know, a strength in numbers. So when they would rebel, they would build these communities called Quilombos. You know what I'm saying? So they would build a whole new neighborhood. And then a lot of times they would successfully defend it. They would turn it into a city and have a leader and grow food and build, you know, buildings and stuff. And then when the, the Portuguese or the Europeans tried to, you know, come in, they would defend them. And some of them survived, you know, and then they, um, they're they very, Brazilians are uh, very famous for being good fighters. You know what I'm saying? They brought mm-hmm. martial arts from Africa mm-hmm. into Brazil. You know, they perform. Uh, it's called Capoeira. It's a dance. But it's also um, a martial art. So basically, when the whites were around, the slave masters were around, they would perform capoeira as if they were dancing, they were playing music and having fun. But when the whites went away, they would use these same dance moves as martial arts, you know, defense mechanisms, you know, striking and blocking and, you know, mm-hmm. punching and stuff like that. So it was very effective and it helped a lot of people get free. That's what's up, and and that's so true, especially on the fighting from martial arts background. Because I'm a big MMA fan, and just came off my head of all the the great fighters from Brazil, like Anderson Silva, um, 
uh, dang, um, <laughs> Vitor Belfort, you know, uh, Anderle Silva. I mean, I can go on and on. I think Manny Nunez from Brazil. So, I mean, Jose Aldo. So, yeah, that definitely some of the top fighters in the martial arts does come from Brazil. And that's awesome. You got to experience that. Yeah, definitely. I'm blessed. So, it's amazing that you, that we talked on a little bit in the beginning, that you take um, adults, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students on educational tours to Africa. When did you start doing that? Um, I've been doing the tours maybe like the last three years, three or four years. I mean, basically, um, African-Americans, Americans, we have a lot of misconceptions and misinformation about the continent of Africa and African people. Mm-hmm. Africa is the most diverse continent in the world. There's thousands of ethnic groups, thousands of languages. You know what I'm saying? Africa has more countries than any other continent in the world. It's almost 60 different countries in Africa. So a lot of times we generalize Africa and African people. You know what I'm saying? Africa, as I mentioned, is very diverse. You know, imagine going from New York to LA, to Mm -hmm. New Orleans, to Mississippi, Imagine how different those places are. Africa is a hundred times more diverse than that. We're going from in North America alone, going from Canada to Mexico to Jamaica to Haiti to mm-hmm. Dominican Republic. You know what I'm saying? It's it's far more diverse than that. You know, the people look different, the food is different, the weather is different, the language is different. You know, you go from Egypt to Ghana to South Africa to Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Like different planets almost, you know. <laughs> wow, Man, that's crazy. I I really can't wait to travel. Like that's one of my biggest things. Like I just want to travel and experience other things than North Carolina, where I'm at right now. <laughs> like I'm from originally oh, yeah, born in Connecticut. I, okay. I appreciate. It. I can't wait. You know, especially once things get calmed down with this pandemic and stuff, things start opening up. So, what was what was uh, one of your favorite places in Africa? Like when you uh, used to bring them on the tour. Man, it's hard to pick. Africa is so beautiful. (laughs) Africa is my favorite place in the world, but I've been to maybe almost 20 African countries. It depends. You know, it depends because, like I say, it's so different. So, like, each tour is different. So, say we go to Egypt. Egypt, that's a focus on ancient African history, Mm -hmm. 5,000, 10,000 years, you know what I'm saying, worth of history. Mm -hmm. We go to the Red Pyramid, the Step Pyramid, the Bent Pyramid, the Pyramids of Giza, the Valley of the Kings, Valley of the Queens, Hatshepsut's Temple, Temple of Karnak, Temple of Luxor, Aswan, Abu Simbel, Cairo, Memphis, Saqqara, you know, all these different places. And we get to see um, the work that people were doing thousands of years ago, perhaps the, the most educated people on the planet. And like I said, it cleared up a lot of misconceptions. Slaves didn't build the pyramids. You know, they was free people. They was educated. They got paid for their services. You know, they mm-hmm. had vacation days and sick days back then. They had currency. Uh, you know, so right. they had a lot of things, you know, but they didn't have more so, um, I guess, the technology that we have now, you know, like cranes and dump trucks. And that's why it's a mystery to how, how could these people build such massive and beautiful monuments you know it's only seven wonders of the world but only one exists the only one you can see is in africa the other six was fairy tales or they don't know what happened to them you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. we go to ghana ghana is a focus more so on the transatlantic slave trade you know reconnecting you know with that whole experience of being kidnapped and brought to america that was our last stand our last frontier so we go to the slave ports the slave castles, the slave dungeons. We go into the Ashanti region. 
We learn about the wars that Africans had with Europeans trying to stop slavery. You know, we learn about the kente cloth, adinkra printing, you mm. know, different things like that. We go to South Africa. South Africa, that's a focus on apartheid, Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela, the mm. Zulu, you know, the Nkosa, you know, different things like that. So each tour, like I said, is, is totally different. Wow, man. And that's crazy. Yeah, I was actually talking with my sister, like, like in last week about like we was talking about um african culture and stuff because she was watching this documentary and she was saying that one of the ladies were talking about like slavery is like she's like it's so small like compared to like all the other history and like african history that we don't even know about she's like even though like in the u.s you know that's one of the main things they glorify or at least talk about but they're like there's so much more that you know we come from kings and queens and different parts of the country um in africa like it's just a small percentage and i'm glad that you're touching on that now you know just you know letting my audience know like there's so much more to learn about yeah, definitely. That's where it all started. At. Africans started, they taught the world music, taught the world how to dance. They taught the world how to look at the stars and read them. And they was the first doctors and lawyers and judicial systems. They printed the first money, the first checks. They had the first writing systems, the first languages, you know what I'm saying? So any any beauty you could find in this world, you could find it in Africa. They like I say, it's like it's the most diverse continent. So look at the animals that Africa has. We know they got mm-hmm. the, the biggest and the baddest and the best animals. It's true. Best landscapes. Africa got gold, diamonds, platinum, oil, minerally rich. You know, the best beaches you ever see in your life. Hands down. Best beautiful people. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, I definitely got to visit there, man, for real. <laughs> so with you visiting over like 70 different countries and having to learn like all those different languages which one was the hardest for you to learn and which one was the easiest um well i don't speak a lot of languages but i i'm mostly um knowledgeable about you know english of course spanish i took some spanish uh some portuguese and some french so all of those are kind of connected i guess they uh latin based you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so it was they're it, not really hard but it just take time to keep practicing and then sometimes if you don't use it for a while like somebody's like oh say something in french and you're like hold on i gotta let me be <laughs> you know because it may be time make up that where you don't use them you know what i'm saying but i'm looking forward to learning more african languages you know something like swahili or zulu or something you know I would like to learn more. Awesome, man. And I know we touched a little bit from Brazil about like the different foods and stuff, but with all the traveling you've done, what's one of your favorite foods that people in the U.S., like where I'm, you know, where I'm at right now and stuff, don't know about or like they need to try? Like, what's your favorite? Man, that's hard to say. My favorite food. Uh, I mean, you just got to try different things. Brazil got some real, real good food. You would love it. Um, uh, my favorite Brazilian dish is probably like uh, feijoada. It's called feijoada. It's like, a, I guess it would be like some type of gumbo or something. It's like black <laughs> beans and sausage and vegetables. It's real good. You know, it don't taste like nothing you never had before. Uh, mm. Africa got some good food. Africa probably got the best food. You know, they eat pap and jera, okay. um, you know, fufu and jollof and different things like that. So. 
Mm-hmm. Those probably the best places though. Latin America and uh, Africa probably got the best food for sure. Awesome, man. That's what's up. Like, you're very involved with uh, your community. Like you do fundraisers, back to school um, drives. You do food uh, food drives as well. You give uh, to the community in Cleveland, Haiti, Philippines, and other countries. When did your love start for giving back, and how long have you been doing that? Man, I always been giving back. You know what I'm saying? My whole adult life. I mean, people can give back in many ways. They may be giving back and not knowing. You know what I'm saying? When I was 18, I built a studio, a music studio, and I let kids from all over the city come to my studio and record, you know, giving them an outlet. They may spend hours and come over every day, but that's keeping them out the streets, you know what I'm saying? Amen, amen. But, you know, more organized forms of giving back. Um, Like I say, volunteering at orphanages, community centers, doing field experiences, tutoring at elementary schools, um, doing uh, Christmas giveaways. Like this past Christmas, uh, 2020, we gave away like 20 bikes and scooters and skateboards and stuff, you know, to less fortunate families, doing winter drives, giving away hats and gloves, um, volunteering at the homeless shelter, you know, donating food, feeding people. Um, I worked with a lot of elementary schools, some in the Philippines, some in Africa and in America, you know, donating money, donating school supplies, you know, donating mm-hmm. books and pencils and doing book bag giveaways and stuff like that. Um, you know, just, just anything I can, you know, every little, if everybody do a little bit, you know, it'll help out a lot. So. Definitely, man. And much respect for you doing that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Much respect for you doing that because, you know, it's something that I, I'm very involved with the uh, community over here in uh, North Carolina, no matter if that's from Fayetteville, Springley. Oh, yeah. I I love it, man. You know, like there's like no like price, no type of like feeling than just helping somebody knowing that they could probably not even pay you back. Just that, you know, your little input that you put can really help change their life for the better. And I I appreciate you for for doing that for people out in Cleveland to other countries. Man, that that's amazing, man. I, I respect you 100%. <laughs> so you're also an independent hip-hop artist, too. Like I've seen yeah, some of your yeah. music videos on YouTube, and you've toured, well, I won't say toured yet, but basically toured, you know, traveled with uh, and performed with other um, artists from different parts of the country. When did your love for music start? Um, Man, I've always been in love with music. I've been blessed because when I was little, I had older brothers and cousins that lived with us and my father. So we always had records spinning in the house. My brothers, they had house parties and stuff like that. So I was able to listen to hip hop at an early age. You know, a lot of my friends, they wasn't allowed to listen to it because of the cursing or the lyrics. But Mm -hmm. I couldn't help it because my family, they played it. They didn't care. You know what I'm saying? But it it Mm -hmm. affected me positively. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I started writing raps when I was in like fifth grade. But it was just for fun, you know, make people laugh and stuff like that. Yeah. maybe like in middle school it got more competitive you know people start writing songs and we do the karaoke thing with the tape and play the instrumental and record and oh go way back he said the tape <laughs> yeah yeah for sure because the technology back then you know studios was expensive like you had to have oh, money yeah. to go to the studio it was like a real big thing so i kind of had my own little studio and then elevated it and um by the time I got grown, like 2003, I graduated. 
by that time, the computers and the studio thing was kind of big. So we was able to record and put it on CD. And then we made our own mixtapes. And then we would sell them. And we would get in the car, go to different cities. We would drive to like places like Kentucky, Indiana, Detroit, okay. St. Louis, Chicago, and sell our music, pass it out. You know, and it was just, you know, great times, great experiences. And then I took it to the next level. You know, once I've been to all the different states, went to Cali and Miami and all those places. Then I got my passport and then I started. Uh, and, you know, my space was popping around that time. So I was able oh, yeah. to message artists in different countries. So I could message artists in Africa and Amsterdam and South America and stuff and build a rapport with them. And then mm-hmm. they could send me beats and I rap to them. But eventually I started going to these places and meeting these artists and then we could perform, we could do music videos, we could write songs together, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's amazing, man. I'm real proud of you with that, especially, you know, oh, for, for you, my peeps, you. you know, we going back even a little bit, you know, talking about, you know, the CDs and, you know, starting to record and stuff like that. I mean, you was really out there grinding, traveling, you know, that's that's awesome, especially nowadays, because a lot of the younger people, they like, that's probably like foreign to them. Like, what? Like, you don't just hit, you don't just upload and just share, you know, <laughs> like that, that's yeah. amazing, though, man. I'm real proud of you with that. So who was some of your um like rappers and uh hip hop artists that you looked up to? Man, um I liked them more the conscious rappers and pro black rappers, Tupac, KRS one. Yes, there we uh, go. Ice Cube, Nas, uh-huh. you know, BDP, play, people like that. Rakim, I like yeah. them too. Okay. You know, but I listen to, I listen to all of it though. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you know, I liked it. Uh, music that had more content, more of a message to the music that'll make you think. You know what I'm saying? Amen. I love music like that too. That's some of my favorite. We got a lot in common, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm noticing yeah. that. Is there any uh, artist that you would love to uh, collaborate with in the future? Um, Not really. I'd be like an underground artist. People I ain't never heard of and people I ain't never met. I like that a little bit more, you know, I think it's a more laid back type of feel. I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still independent, so it'll be a big um, thing, you know, I'd be honored to work with anybody that, that made it and successfully, you know, established themselves, but I'm more so looking for people that people ain't hip to yet, you know? I hear that, man. I definitely hear that. So you're also an author, uh, author too. You wrote a book called Afro Set. Uh, when did you decide that you wanted to become an author? Man, I don't know when I decided I wanted to be an author. I mean, I always thought about writing a book because I could write raps. You know what I'm saying? I could tell stories and stuff. But this book, it was a historical account. So mm-hmm. um, I started doing my research maybe like 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? But, but I didn't start writing a book until about five years in. You know, I was doing a lot of interviews and talking with a lot of people in my family and in the community. And then they was like, you know what, you should write a book about this. You know what I'm saying? So basically the Afro set was the organization that my uncle started. And like I mentioned earlier, they were at the forefront of bringing that African culture and language and history and dance and fashion to the city of Cleveland. Because back then, even now, you know, it's hard to find positive information on Africa and African people or black people in general. So my uncle, he was one of the people that started that. So Afro is short for African. You know, some people may think of the hairstyle, but the Afro mm-hmm. says like African said. So they opened up these shops and in these shops, they would make dashikis, um, dresses, hair wraps, earrings, necklaces, pottery, 
uh, paintings, you know, different things like that. And then they would sell them into the community. You know, they was like um, independently funded. They was trying to do like cooperative economics. That's what they was trying to do. So they built a theater. They would do plays and poetry readings and fashion shows, musical performances. Mm-hmm. My uncle, he was the minister of information of the organization. So he was responsible uh, for being a photographer. He took a lot of their pictures. He was the editor of the newspaper. You know what I'm saying? So they had a lot of classes too. They had mm-hmm. classes on drug awareness, um, African language, uh, health health and wellness, you know, classes on diabetes, single cell, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. My uncle, he gave the Black Panthers some money and he volunteered some of his soldiers to help them you know, build their health clinic. They would do things like uh-huh. that. They, they practice self-defense. Um, they would train with the rifles, the machetes, the sticks. They would do military drills. You know, they had a farm that they would go to and they would practice and stuff like that. They did a lot of community policing. You know, if people tried to sell drugs in the community, they would run them out. Um, if people were pimping and prostituting, they would run them out. If the police were uh, harassing people, you know, they would confront them. So it's a very exciting book. It's shootouts, explosions, riots, rebellions. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? It's a very, very exciting book. Definitely, man. We definitely got to check that out for all my peeps out here. That uh, that really sounds amazing. You know, I could like just picture right now. I'm a very visual person. <laughs> it's like it's almost oh, like a, one of the crazy you. movies, you know. But yeah, for sure. Movie. I appreciate that, man. I'll definitely link that in the uh, description once this gets uploaded. <clears throat> so. Uh, you you do so many things. I mean, we've talked from hip hop artist to traveler. I mean, you do so much. I how do you manage all that? And what do you do in your free time? Like, you have any hobbies or anything? Right, right, man. I don't really never have no free time. I'm always writing songs or reading. I read a lot. You know what I'm saying? That'll help you develop ideas and you know get things going you know sometimes you feel kind of stale or you get writer's block or you just kind of stuck you know Mm -hmm. reading i watch a lot of documentaries travel you know those are things that refresh me you know what i'm saying so i I try to just try to stay active man that's the best thing you can do one of my friends always say it's better to stay active than just you know staying still (laughs) yeah so do you have any more books coming out in or, the future? Uh, settled, I guess, like if I had a wife and kids and stuff. Say that again. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, my connection was going off, but you use uh, continuing. What were you saying? Oh, no, no. I was just saying like, you know, once I guess like once you get established, like you have a wife and you have kids and then you could kind of sit down and you know what I'm saying? Relax oh, yeah. a little bit. But right now I'm just going to give everything I got right now. Exactly. <laughs> You're like I'll rest. I'll rest later on in life. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I, I was asking. Um, do you have any more books that's coming out in the future for all my uh, audience out here, my peeps? That's why I call my audience. Uh, I maybe I don't know right now because I'm still promoting the book I just did. So I was able. I was fortunate enough to collect a lot of uh video footage and newspaper articles and pictures. I did a lot of interviews. I was able to film. So I think I want to turn the book into a documentary, maybe in 2022, 23, I'll do a documentary, but I, I probably for sure will write other books, but I'm, I'm not sure what about maybe my life, you know, or something like that. 
Definitely, man. And I can't wait. I, I can't wait to see that documentary, man. I love documentaries. It's like oh, actually, okay. I, I spend most of my time probably watching documentaries if I'm not looking up ways to or people to interview and stuff. Documentaries are very educational, and I love them. Definitely. So the pandemic has been crazy and has affected like everyone in some way, shape, or form. So how has the pandemic and COVID nineteen affected you? Man, I think more so mentally, you know what I'm saying? Stressful, mm-hmm. depression, anxiety. I think that's everybody, most people. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've been able to continue to work. That's, those are the things that help relieve those um, stressors, you know what I'm saying? Writing songs, you know what I'm saying? Reading, you mm-hmm. know, doing things that I like to do. I've still been able to travel. Um, I was in South Africa in October. I was in Ethiopia in November. I came okay. to the USA in December. Um, I went back. January, I was in Egypt. I went to Dubai, and I came back. I'm gonna go back this month in May. I think I'm gonna go back to Africa. I'm gonna go to Tanzania. So, you know, I've been trying to make the best of it. You know, despite you know so many people getting sick and so many people dying and stuff. You know, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask like, what's it like in other countries that are faced with this COVID nineteen? I know, like, on just from the news I've been hearing, you know, it's real. Uh, restricted as far as the traveling. So is it crazy like how it is in the U.S. with uh, COVID in other countries? Um, I guess it depends on the country because I was living in Africa during the pandemic. So to my understanding, uh, Africa wasn't as affected as the rest of the world was. They didn't have as many cases. They didn't have as many deaths. You know, I don't know what, what the situation is now, but I think it's still, you know, a lot lower than the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, so some African countries remained open, like Tanzania, Egypt, um, Ethiopia, you know, they never mm-hmm. really closed down, you know, despite the rest of the world kind of closing down, you know what I'm saying? So when you go to these places, the, the restrictions are not as um, tight as, you know, some other countries like Europe. I think Europe is still closed from this whole time, like, mm-hmm. unless it's like you got a special reason or something but you can't just travel like how it is here in america but it's a lot of more cases here it's a lot more people mm-hmm. dying here so you know it's kind of like mm-hmm. out of control really here in yeah. other countries the numbers are, like i said is a lot lower so. yeah that's like with um i was uh, interviewing mbi lean she's a uh amazing artist out there and uh she lives in italy right now and she was telling oh, wow, me wow okay Oh yeah, and she's she's amazing. Shout out to you if you see this. But uh, she was uh, telling me how crazy like it is how it used to be. So like everything was open. There was so many things to do. To now like it's like you only have very few options of things to do. You can't leave anywhere without a mask. Like it's real strict over there. But that's good that Africa hasn't been affected as much, and you know was still able to you know not close down everything and do things. You know that's amazing. So with you, you know, I know you spoke about your uncle a lot and uh, your family and just all the traveling that you've done. I can't imagine <laughs> what, what your answer might be with this question. But what is one of your favorite, like, quotes or sayings that really get you through either the good times or the bad times? Um, Let me see. I don't really got no favorite quotes. I know I could tell you one quote I remember offhand. It's a, it's a good quote. Okay. I think it's Fred, Frederick Douglass. It's a... Uh, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. So with that being said, I spend a lot of my time and my energy working with children. You know what I'm saying? Cause they're a lot more open-minded. They receive information a lot better. You know what I'm saying? They're more excited to learn. Mm. 
That's when we get older, once we gone, you know, we kind of stuck in, in our ways. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's a good quote right there. Uh, what can uh, my peeps and all the, all the audience that's going to see this expect from you in 2021? Oh, 2021. Uh, definitely more music, you know, yeah. more traveling. You know, I have a YouTube page, so I'm always uploading uh, positive content about my travels in Brazil or Africa so they can look forward to more video footage. Um, definitely more tours coming. You know, I plan to add more countries, add Madagascar, add Tanzania, you know, give people more options. And, you know, so that way they could just see the diversity of Africa. Because I know a lot of people, when you think about going to Africa, we only think of a few places or even in terms of the United States, like, you know, most of the Africans we meet, maybe from Nigeria or Ghana or Ethiopia mm-hmm. or Egypt or somewhere. But how many times have you met an African from Madagascar or Seychelles or Zambia or Malawi or Botswana or, you Never. know, there's just so many <laughs> more places. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I met a couple Africans from uh, like Kenya, but that's that's about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of Kenyans here too. Mm-hmm. So, is there anyone that you want to give a, a quick shout out to, or you know, just a, a a big thank you for you know all the stuff that you've done and all the help that you've gotten? Man, I want to wrap thank up you. Soon. Oh, well. I want to thank you <laughs> thank for allowing me to come on this show. I truly appreciate you taking out the time to let me, you know, talk to people about my journey. And thankful for any and everybody, you know, you can reach out to me if I have questions about travel or the book, or if you need any type of historical information. I am a historian of Black history, world Black history, global Black history, African history, you know, so. Definitely. And where can people find you? Like, what's your uh, your social media stuff or your website they can find you at? Um, my website is campcleveland.org, campcleveland.org. Um, I'm on social media, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube as Camp Cleveland, C-A-M-P, Cleveland. Awesome, man. I'll make sure I put that in the video in the description. Camp Cleveland, thank you for joining me here on the People's Choice Podcast. Uh, definitely welcome any of any time you want to come on the show because I know you're about to do some more traveling and stuff. So I can imagine some more stories we'll have, you know, in the future. All right, until next time, family. Peace. Yes, sir. You take care, brother. Right. Thanks, bro. Like. Mm-hmm.